You know, we were saying earlier that everybody's homeschooling right now, pretty much. But uh, somebody asked, a kid asked, is, is our pastor now a televangelist? Because uh, all the pastors are on video online too. So I'm happy to say that we broadcast our service online and we're grateful to those of you there who are joining with us. And I am not a televangelist. So uh, just to clarify. So, do you like the title of this message, Marvelously Married or Superbly Single? I liked it. Megan suggested it to me as a joke, and I said, I love it. So, uh, that, that was it. I couldn't come up with a title, so I asked for help, and, and this was it. Now, we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're not going to go through it verse by verse. We're not even going to go through it in order. We're going to pick and choose a few pieces in here. I'm not going to be able to go into every verse that Paul writes here, and I can't go into all the scripture on the subject of marriage. There's a lot in the Bible about it. Uh, but most of it deals with character. And, and so we're going to look at a few things. And some people have, uh, I was talking with a pastoral candidate. He was uh, going to candidate here in a church in Arizona, and I was assisting that church at the time. And, and so this guy called me, and he wanted to talk to me. And, and he believed that uh, divorce made a person just anathema. They, if they were divorced, they could never teach Sunday school. They could never serve in church. They could attend, and he would happily receive their tithe, but they couldn't in any way serve in any position within the church. And I don't think that's a biblical standard, and I'm going to explain my biblical, my understanding this morning. Now, let me just tell you up front, you may disagree with me, that's okay, in heaven you'll agree with me, but no, you, you might disagree with me, and I will even say, it's possible I'm wrong, but I've done a lot of study on it, and this is my best understanding, and so when the Bible's very clear, we can be very clear, and so this is an area where some of you might disagree, some other people might disagree. I used to serve under the ministry of a pastor who disagreed with my understanding here, and I'll explain why I believe this way, and I'm not trying to indoctrinate you. I just want you to connect with the Word of God, and then you answer to God in your heart. That's one of the things we believe in. It's called a believer-priest. Every person who has received the Lord answers directly to the Lord. And yes, you, you have to follow your pastor some, but if your pastor strays from Scripture, you have an obligation to stick with the Word of God and follow the Lord. And so you need to follow God in your heart. And some of you are kids. You're living at home with parents. They're still an authority in your life. And you have to follow your parents. But ultimately, you have to follow the Lord. Someday soon, like Savannah, she's 18, she could move out tomorrow. She's choosing not to because it's cheaper to eat at home a lot. But, but uh, she's going to be living up in Phoenix at the university a lot. But, but you know what? Um, you have responsibility primarily to God. And so we need to remember that in our own hearts and lives. So Lord, as we look in your word today, I pray that you would give us clarity of thought. I pray that we would see your truths. And I pray, first of all, that we would love the Lord. And secondly, that we would learn to love people 
that no person is perfect. The only one who ever was was Jesus. And he has not walked on the earth for a long time. And so, Lord, we know he's alive and in heaven with you, and some of our loved ones are there with him. But right now we're dealing with our struggles on earth, and I pray that you would help us to understand your word, apply it in our own hearts and lives, show love to you, and show love to others. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing I want you to see here is that if you are married, you have an obligation to commit to and submit to your spouse. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The Bible's very clear. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. That's what Ephesians 5 says. I know that. But you know, Ephesians 5 is not the only passage of Scripture that deals with submission in the home. So let's look at it here. Look down in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 10. Now to the married, 1 Corinthians 7, 10. To the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and the husband is not to divorce his wife. I have a wrong reference. Look up in verse 3. All right, this is, I don't know why I wrote, I have the verses wrong here. Um, but marriage is supposed to be a lifetime commitment. That's what we see from verses 10 and 11. Look in verse 3. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. So they're, they're, the Bible gives some limited allowances for divorce, but, but marriage is supposed to be this mutual commitment and submission to each other. So that even though... Kathy has to submit to me biblically. I have a responsibility to also submit to her biblically to do it the right way. We each honor God by working together. And, and there are issues. We've had a couple of them in our 40 years of marriage where she has not wanted to do something and I have wanted to do something and we talked it through and we decided and, and I had to make the ultimate decision. Uh, she used to say that her favorite definition of submission was ducking low enough so God can smack your husband. <laughs> I kind of like that. But, but listen, marriage is supposed to be a commitment, a lifetime commitment where we walk together and we learn from each other and we are committed and submitting to one another. So, I mentioned, I'm a little scattered starting out here, but I believe there are limited biblical allowances for divorce, and I'm not going to go through all the scripture, but I believe infidelity, Jesus specifically spoke of that one. I believe abuse or abandonment, or if an unbeliever chooses to leave the marriage when a spouse becomes a believer. Now, if you're a believer and you marry an unbeliever, then you don't have freedom to end that marriage. This is speaking of a, a, a two people who are not saved 
They get married and one becomes a believer. But if the unbeliever in the marriage doesn't want to stay married, look at what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 12 and 13. But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. Now jump down to verse 15. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. Okay, so he's saying he's making an allowance for divorce. If one becomes a believer and then the unbeliever wants out of the marriage, then you can get a divorce, a biblical allowance for divorce. And, and uh, I, I believe that under the condition of infidelity or abandonment or abuse, then a person could get remarried because verse 15 says they're no longer under bondage, no longer under the marriage bond in those specific cases. So I will perform a wedding ceremony for somebody who's been divorced and wants to remarry under the condition of the marriage ended because of infidelity or the marriage ended because of abuse or abandonment or the marriage ended, Paul's saying here, because a non-believer didn't want to stay in the marriage. Um, and I also, it needs to be impossible to restore the original marriage. Uh, but I know I have several pastor friends, they won't do any remarriage for anybody ever. And that's okay. They don't answer to me. They answer to the Lord. Um, but I, tr anyway, did, did, I, did I explain that well enough? Because I feel like you guys are just kind of staring at me. Nobody's nodding their heads yet. Nobody's doing this. At least nobody's doing this. And nobody's, you know, getting ready to hurl their water bottle at me. All right. So let's jump back to this concept. If you're married, you have an obligation to commit to and submit to your spouse. Your spouse has a lot of say in what you do. So uh, your spouse, okay, your, your spouse should not be controlling, but you need to learn to submit. So guys, how many are guys here? Raise your hand, all right. Guys, this is a question for you and you have to answer. If you have an old shirt, that your wife really despises, based on verses 3 and 4 here, guys, what should you do with that shirt? I didn't hear anything. Wear it. Wear it in your grave, you know. Uh, what, what should you do with it based on these verses? Yeah, you should get rid of it. You should get it framed and hang it on the living room wall. Honey, I'm not wearing it anymore. Uh, no, but, but you really should. Why? Because you're supposed to listen to your wife. Now, I had a shirt when I was in the Marine Corps, a shirt that I just loved. And for some reason, Kathy didn't like it very much. Had a great big old Marine Corps bulldog on the front. Some of you know what that looks like. Big old Marine Corps Bulldog. I mean, and then on the back, it had the backside of the Marine Corps Bulldog. And for some reason, Kathy didn't like that shirt. And it was, it was almost kind of miraculous. You know, she went to the laundromat, washed our laundry, came home, and it disappeared. The strangest thing. My shirt got raptured somehow. I, 
My dad had an old cowboy hat. My mom bought him a new one and buried the old one in the backyard. And like an old dog, my dad dug it up and kept wearing it. Yeah. So, so listen, your wife shouldn't tell you what to wear every day. But honestly, if there's an issue, like guys, when you buy clothes, what's the number one thing for the most part? Comfort. Comfort. How does it feel? Is it comfortable? Well, you know, you can have some stuff that's really comfortable but doesn't look very good. And your wife should have some input in there, okay? Now, ladies, how many of you are ladies? Oh, how many of you are ladies? I can't raise my hand on that one, all right? So if your husband doesn't want you to have pink hair, what should you not do? You should not dye your hair pink. Or if you're married to a guy like me, you could dye it pink and just tell him it's gray. Uh, he wouldn't know. Um, I am, those of you who are new here, I am colorblind, so um, significantly. But, but listen, if your husband then says, all right, I want your hair to always look exactly this way, so you need to go get it trimmed twice a week so it always looks exactly that way because that's the way I like it and I'm the husband. Okay, that is controlling and that is not a biblical pattern. Some men like their wives to have short hair. Some like to have long hair. Some uh, just thrilled their wives have hair. You know, you, know you, you just do what works in your marriage. But do not think, men especially, do not think that you can just do your own thing. Because that's not a biblical pattern. If you're married, you submit to each other. You, you cannot be controlling and you cannot allow your spouse to be controlling. And in fact, let me tell you, if you're in a situation like that, you need to get help. See a counselor, call the church, get help. But in most areas of your life, there needs to be a mutual submission to each other. I have to listen to my wife. She has to listen to me. We have to Listen to each other, and you have to at home. You submit to God first, and then your spouse. All right, second thing is, it can be a blessing to be single. All right, now if you're here this morning and you're married, don't look at that and think, oh, I wish. Okay, don't do that. Look in verse number 8. 1 Corinthians 7, 8. But I say to the unmarried and to the widow, widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. Jump down to verse number 32. But I want you to be without care. He who is married, unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world how he may please his wife. Verse 34, there's a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman carries about the things, cares about the things of the Lord, and that she may be holy both in body and spirit, but she is who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And then verse 35, he says, and this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, that you may serve the Lord without distraction. 
So he's saying, if you're single and the Lord works in your life to do something, you can just go do it. If you're single and you feel called to be a missionary, you can just surrender to it and go. And if you're married, you have to talk to your spouse about it. And there's certain issues that you have to resolve and deal with. There are specific freedoms to singlehood that you don't have when you're married. Paul never says it's wrong to be married. Never. But he says there are some benefits to being single. Now, in the Christian world at large, not just here, but in the Christian world, there's almost a, uh, a bias against singleness. That, you know, God wants you to be married and to be happily married. And, you know, if, if you know, you're young and you lose a spouse through death or divorce, other people will come along, God's going to lead somebody your way. You know, we even had somebody teaching the young people here at our church years ago. I didn't know he was going to do this or it wouldn't have happened. But he's teaching the young and he says, God's got somebody out there just for you. You're not watching, Raquel. I was looking at you. God's got somebody out there just for you. And is that true? Maybe. Can we guarantee that? Not a chance. We have people in this room who wanted to be married. It would have been a blessing, they thought, and they ended up not being married. Why? Because they're evil and wicked and out of fellowship with God? No, because God had other plans. See, we can't think that singlehood is bad when the Bible says there are benefits. Now, I was single for a very short time. I've been married for twice as long as I was single, and I prefer being married. But we, we have to realize that sometimes being single is the best thing for some people. And some people um, have the mindset that they just got to be married, you know. Uh, maybe when they were younger, they were the one in high school, the girl who always had to have a boyfriend, and the boy who always had to have a girlfriend. But in, in God's plan, it is God's plan for some of his servants to be single. And we right now are supporting a single missionary who's serving in a part of the world that I'm not supposed to say online that I did once a couple months ago and got in trouble. Um, and so we don't say where she's serving or who her name is when we're broadcasting online because where she is is a closed country. And she, so she's doing a great job for God. She is reaching people for Christ. She's strengthening churches. She's not married. And we, we don't feel, I don't feel like we do a good job as parents and church leaders if we tell everybody, God's got somebody out there for you. You have to follow God, trust the Lord. He may lead somebody into your life. He may lead you not to be married. And either way, you can be happy. 
There's no shame in being single. We need to stop acting as if there were. All right, other than the Apostle Paul, tell me a prominent figure in the New Testament who was single. Jesus! Our Lord and Savior never married. If it's God's will for everybody to marry, then Jesus didn't do God's will. Did Jesus do God's will? Yes, absolutely, 100% of the time. He was perfect, and he never married because that was the appropriate thing for him. Some of his disciples were married. It talks about Peter's mother-in-law. It's kind of hard to have a mother-in-law if you're not married. And so Peter had a mother-in-law. And, and some of his disciples were married. The apostle Paul uh, was single, at least at this stage in his life. Some suggest that he was married before uh, because the role that he had in the Sanhedrin uh, as a lead Pharisee, he had to have been married to have that position. Uh, but at this point in his life, he's single. And so there's, there is no blessing in marrying the wrong person just so you don't have to be single. There's no blessing in that. If God brings the right person, a good person, a great person for you to marry, somebody who loves the Lord, somebody who's going to help you in your walk with Him, then okay. But if not, then don't. Now, one more note from verse 33. All right, ladies, especially, you need to pay attention to this. And guys, you need to listen. Verse 33, 1 Corinthians seven thirty-three. It says, He who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. All right, ladies, you might need to frame this verse, put it on your fridge. Husbands are supposed to try and please their wife. Did you like that one, ladies? Isn't it great? Isn't God's word handy sometimes? You know, great truth there. Husbands are supposed to try and please their wife. So make a note of that, guys. It's natural for you to try and make her life better. Now, I know some of you do a lot for your spouses, and that's a good thing. All right, here's a third idea here. It, it can be a blessing to be married, and I love this picture. It can be a blessing to be married. <laughs> they look like they've been married a while, and they're still happy with each other, still being silly together. So look in verse 36. Verse 36, if a man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin, if she has passed the flower of youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin, let them marry. It can be a blessing to be married, and it is not sin. If you want to get married and God brings somebody in, it's okay. You don't have to sit down in agony and say, oh God, I feel attracted to this person and I feel like I'd want to marry that person, but are you calling me to be single? You don't have to agonize like that. If the person is in the Lord, as this passage, this chapter says, if they're a fellow believer, and I believe they don't just need to be a fellow believer, but somebody who's growing in the Lord. Because if you marry somebody who's growing, you can grow with them for the rest of your life. If you marry somebody who's not growing, and then you are growing, you're going to grow apart. 
So somebody who's not just a believer, but somebody who wants to follow the Lord, has a desire to do that, then, then it's great. You can have a happy marriage. If I wrote a list of the richest blessings in my life, number one would be, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Number two would be being married to that lady right there. I got lots of blessings, but number one is the Lord and number two is my wife. It's been a rich blessing in my life. And my dad was married twice. He married my mom in 1956. By the time I was born in 1960, they had four kids under age four. And dad had just turned 23 and mom was about to turn, or dad had just turned 24 and mom was a couple months short of being 23. She was 22. Four kids under age four. What a blessing. And we were such good kids. It was amazing. But, you know, eight years ago, my mom died. And my dad fell apart. My dad was really struggling. And then there was a lady who was a friend of my parents. She and her husband had been friends of my folks. And, and my dad uh, asked her out for pie after church one night and asked her if she'd want to date him even though he was a little bit older or maybe a lot a bit older than her. And they remarried. Uh, her husband had died two years before mom. And then a year after mom died, they got married. Now, some people just cannot handle their parent marrying again. It, and I had no problem with it because... She knew the Lord. He, my dad actually met her in church. He was her Sunday school teacher for some years. And they met there serving the Lord together in church. And she loved the Lord and she knew the Lord and she wanted to follow the Lord. She wanted to serve the Lord. So I was happy that my dad married somebody like that. And, but I know and I've had to deal with, counseled with some families where they were angry that their parent wanted to remarry because he's replacing our mom or she's replacing our dad. No, they're not. They're trying to get along in their life. And it says, if they marry, they have not sinned. Now, they waited until... Uh, Actually, I found out my dad was engaged right after Alice Brunette found out because dad walked in and introduced his wife, Kathy, as his fiancée. And Alice came up to me and said, I didn't know your dad was engaged. I said, I didn't either, but I'm not surprised. Uh, and, and then they got married, and my older brother was best man, and I got to have a small part in the, the wedding. And uh, th when they got married, September 11th would have been their seventh anniversary, but dad went home to be with the Lord. And, you know, dad, dad did so much better being married. And he had a lifelong dream to go to Israel. And mom never wanted to go. And he mentioned it to Kathy, and she said, let's go. They enjoyed it so much, they went twice. So he did way better being married. Paul's not saying, in fact, Paul does say, I think it's better to be single in Paul's mind and in what Paul was doing and the Holy Spirit working in his life. It was way better for Paul to be single. But he didn't say, this is the ideal that everyone should strive for. 
what he said was, if you want to get married, get married. You haven't sinned. If you can be single, then you can serve the Lord completely, your whole heart doing exactly what God wants, and you don't have to worry about what another person thinks about it. So if you outlive a spouse, though, and, and you do want to remarry, just, I just encourage you, wait at least a year. I had a friend who, he, uh, his wife died, and he was going crazy, and he said, he just couldn't stand to be single, so he went online and he found somebody and he got married less than six months after his wife died to a lady he had not even known before his wife died. And it was really hard for his family. Uh, they didn't get a chance to grieve their mom because their dad was too busy dating. And uh, that that's unhealthy. So wait a year. I can't imagine what that's like to lose a spouse. I know some of you do. I, I've been there with some of you when your spouse has died, and, and uh, that's a hard thing. But God's good, and if God wants you to marry, he'll lead somebody into your path. So it can be a blessing to be single, and it can be a blessing to be married. But it's not a blessing to marry the wrong person. That's just a challenge and a difficulty. You still need to do your best to honor your marriage vows, but it can be really difficult sometimes for some people. All right, so here's the biggest idea of the day. All right, this is what we all need to get down. Kids, adults, everybody. You should find your identity in Jesus Christ. Find your identity in Jesus Christ, not in your singleness or your marriedness or your Jewishness or your Gentileness, but in Jesus. Look in uh, verse number four, uh, 17, 1 Corinthians 7, 17. But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches... Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. So the Jews were really proud of their religious heritage and the physical mark for men of being Jewish. They were really proud of that. And Paul said that doesn't really give you an advantage. What makes a difference is your heart connecting to God's heart. Then he says in verse number uh, 20, Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Now, pause right here. When we think of slavery, what year do you think of when you think of slavery? What block of time? The 1800s. We think of it in America, they were kidnapping people and they were bringing them over by ship and they were making them plantation slaves for the most part um, in America. Well, when Paul's writing about slavery, he's not thinking about the American South in the 1800s. He's thinking about the Roman, and, and in fact, in Rome, there were far more slaves than free people. And 
the, the role of a slave was different in their culture than it was in the American, well, it was in the North too, but it was predominantly in the American South. And, and so Paul's not saying, so when he says here, if you're a slave, don't be concerned about it, but if you can make, be, be made free, rather use it. If you're called in the Lord while a slave, you're the Lord's free man. If he was called while free as Christ's slave, he was not saying that that uh, Tubman, what was her first name? Harriet Tubman. He was not saying it was wrong of her to try and free the slaves. It was the right thing to do. American slavery was horrible. It was evil. It was wicked. We should have gone, done away with it. Um, William Wilberforce helped uh, get slavery out of England. And uh, they used slavery around the world. The, the little British island dominated the world through slavery all around the globe. And, and they, they ended that. And praise God for that. And I'm glad I never had to grow up in slavery. But what Paul's dealing with a different culture, not our culture, not even our former culture, but a culture that existed over in the Middle East and in, in Rome and Italy and around the region controlled by the Roman armies. And so what happens there is sometimes a person can be a slave, but in their culture, you fed a slave, you provide shelter for a slave. Sometimes a person who was a slave lived better than a person who was a free man in their culture when Paul's dealing with us. And the only thing, they didn't have the freedom of choice. They had to stay and do. And so Paul's saying, in that culture, if you were a slave, just serve God. And if you become a free man, then use it wisely. And if you're not a slave, then serve God. And remember, you're a slave to Christ. So he was not at all endorsing the slavery that we had in our country. He's not endorsing the slavery that exists today in um, the slave trade worldwide is huge. He's not endorsing that. What he's focusing on is what existed in his culture. And so he's telling them, listen, if you're a slave, focus on your relationship with Christ. If Christ allows you to be free, then serve him well. If you're not a slave, focus on your relationship with Christ and follow him. If you're Jewish, focus on your relationship with Christ and obey Him. If you're not Jewish, focus on your relationship with Christ and follow Him. That you need to find your identity in Jesus Christ. And what happens is some women find their identity in having a boyfriend. And then a husband. And that's their identity. And, and I have known people who ended up divorced and within a month they're dating somebody else. Might have been better to take a little more time to figure out how you follow God in your life. And I, I think, I know, I know when I am preaching as a guy who got married at 20 and I've been married 40 years and it's still one of the richest blessings of my life. I haven't been there. I haven't done that. I haven't felt empty 
because I didn't have somebody to share my life. But you need to find your identity in Jesus Christ. And from, from Kathy's side of our marriage, there was a time when she didn't find much joy. Well, that's no wrong word. But, but I was not a very good husband when we first got married. Um, it wasn't quite bait and switch, but it was close. I was nicer, and then we got married, and then I was a sergeant in the Marine Corps, you know. Some of you have been married in those situations, and you know what she went through. Uh, but you know what? I learned and I grew. And what she needed to find her identity in Christ. And as she really focused on Christ, she helped me really focus on Christ. And as she was focusing on Christ and I was focusing on Christ, as we grew in Christ, guess what? We also grew closer to each other. And when, when we find our identity in Christ, then we can face a lot of difficulties in life. And Paul knew Christ, and he said, to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He, he knew exactly where he was in Christ and exactly what he should do. And he didn't worry about the problems in his life. Sometimes he was in jail, and he just rejoiced in Christ and followed Christ. Sometimes he was free, and then he used it to further the gospel of Christ. But find your identity in Jesus Christ. Not in your physical heritage, not in your relationship heritage. Find your identity in Jesus Christ. And as you grow in Christ, God can use you to help other people, but he also will grow you. As you mature in Christ, he will grow you. You will become a better person a bigger person, a person who can do more, see more, be aware of more, interact in a, in a better way because you are growing in Christ and focusing on Him. So Paul has this whole chapter. There's a blessing to be single. There's a blessing to be married. But listen, here's the richest blessing of all, being in a relationship with Jesus Christ, receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, Having God the Father look on you in your sin and you confess your sin and as you confess your sin, He will forgive every sin. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So that's what we focus on and that's what we mature in. And if we get that one relationship right, it helps all the other relationships across the board. And if we get that one wrong, then all the other relationships are not going to fill the void in our heart and life. We need a close relationship with Christ. So let me give you some closing thoughts. First of all, seek to honor God in each of your relationships. If you're married, especially guys, learn to submit to your wife. I know the Bible teaches and, and women read the Bible and you're follow, and it says, wives, submit to your husbands. But it also says, actually, even in Ephesians 5, before it says, uh, wives, submit to your husbands, it says submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord, that we're all supposed to do that. And in this chapter, Paul especially did that. So seek to honor God in each of your relationships. If you are not treating someone right, maybe you're a teenager and you have not been respectful to your parents, 
Ask God to forgive that sin and then show respect to your parents. You cannot grow as a person if you're ignoring a relationship that God has put in your life. Seek to honor God. Secondly, be faithful to God. Learn His Word and follow Him. I, I took this picture on Monday in the Grand Canyon. It had been a big rainstorm and we were soaked and, and then this rainbow came down and, and it was beautiful. And uh, you could see the rain just starting to break up in there, we thought, and then it came down again. Um, but it was a beautiful day. And the rainbow is a sign of what? God's faithfulness. God said, I put my bow in the sky to show you that I will not flood the earth again, as he did in Noah's day. It's a sign of God's faithfulness to us. So what in your life is a sign of your faithfulness to him? Be faithful to him. And then thirdly, love and trust God no matter what he allows in your life. How many of you, you know, you were thinking New Year's Eve, you know, you're praying about the year, you set some goals for this year, and, and how many of you on your goals for this year, or what's that R word that we use? Um, resolutions, yeah. Uh, you made some resolutions. How many of you in your goals or your resolutions had on here, I'm going to be faithful to God and try and be cheerful during the coming pandemic? How many of you had that on your schedule for this year? Yeah. It sure wasn't on mine. So love and trust God no matter what He allows in your life. And so Paul says, if you're single, follow Him. If you're married, follow Him. Love Him, serve Him no matter what. Because, you know, someday you're going to stand before Him. And the amazing thing is, if you just do what He told you to do, if you only do what he told you to do, he's going to reward you for it. Now, when I was a kid, if my dad gave me a job and then left and came back and I'd done that job, he didn't reward me. But if I didn't do it, he let me know in certain ways. In fact, that's why he says all of his boys are so much taller than him because he did this so much while we were growing up. <laughs> but listen, you're going to have hard times. You're going to have lonely days. Even if you're married, you're going to have lonely days. Because you know that spouse? Women don't think the same as men, do they? No. Men don't think the same as women. That spouse is not going to understand you all the time. Sometime your spouse is going to turn to you and say, I have no idea what goes on in your head. If they haven't said it yet, it's coming. Okay? Or maybe it's just Jim and I. We hear it a lot. I don't know. <laughs> but, but listen, just love God. Just trust Him. God has good days. He may have somebody great for you to be married to is going to be a, a rich blessing and, and you can put in your blessings, Jesus first and that person second and mean it with all your heart. And he may let you be alone for a long time, but he will always be there. 
top of the list. He is faithful. And he calls us to love and trust him. So if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't leave today. Stick around. Sit in your chair for a while. Somebody will come up and ask you, do you need anything? And you can say, I need to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. We got dozens of people in this room who can open God's Word and show you exactly how to receive Christ. If you've not been faithful to the Lord, maybe you're a teenager and you've really struggled at obeying your parents. All right, older people, everybody who's 30 and older, how many of you had trouble obeying your parents when you were a teenager? Well, most every hand went up. You're not alone if you're a teenager and you're struggling with that. But listen, God calls you to honor your parents and promises he will bless your life if you do and you will suffer if you don't. That's God's word. So love and trust God and follow him because there's some pretty weird stuff going on on planet earth. And it's nice to know that everything's just fine up in heaven, isn't it? We, we live in fear sometime, but no fear in heaven.